podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome to ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. Easy for me to say, I've been gone for a week, my name is Rosman. <laughs> clearly a little rusty here, clearly in a different time zone still. Your host this week, joined by my co-host David Hockney. David, how are you? Oh my gosh, I mean, for any non-wrestling fan that didn't watch the past week of WWE, you'll probably get a good understanding after this week's Central why the entire wrestling world is buzzing right now and i still am you know almost a week after everything happened yeah it's been quite quite miraculous but he is back our truth is back and we're we're so happy to talk about the it goat is back the goat is back and, and you that's know, what's up and some other people returned at the same time as well but we'll talk about that later on before we get started remember you can listen to our massive back catalogue of previews reviews interviews and all the news i've not lost it you can just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Now, Survivor Series is going to be our main uh, focus here. It's not going to be a long show this week, folks. We'll start with the Women's War Games uh, match, which opened the show for the second year running. The team of Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi Blackheart, and Becky Lynch defeating Damage Control, the team of Bailey, Asuka, Eoskai, and Kyrie Sane with Dakota Kai at ringside. We've talked about this a little bit in the in the group chat, David. Um, Damage Control, you know, reintroducing uh, Kyrie Sane, Asuka now joining them as well. Um, it looks as if the group is being moulded into Eosky's image, mm-hmm. um, and Bailey's trying to keep on to control. She did take the pin here, which I'm sure does further a storyline down the line. But I, I really don't think they should have lost here. I think they should have won, but should have done it in a way that didn't make Bailey look favourable. Like you know, I, I don't know how you do that, but I just think at this early stage when you're trying to reintroduce. Um, Asuka and Kyrie Sane and you know they ran up against the wood chipper that was uh, Bianca Belair last time around and it just killed momentum for a good while with them I, I, just, I don't think they should have lost here I, I personally think they should have won I agree I mean when they bolstered the ranks you know with Asuka and Kyrie Sane getting added back in you'd have thought you know they'd be a bit more dominant on the Smackdown scene but having them lose their sort of first big major match after this reinvention doesn't do them any favours. But having reflected on it, I think it is more of a clear indicator where the direction of the damage control storyline is going. I think Bailey might be on the out between them and have everybody else, you know, sort of take take the reins a little bit. And as you said, you know, it's sort of being moulded into EO Sky's image, given that she's the champion. Because before that, it was still sort of Bailey leading the charge and Io was sort of second fiddle. So I think this time around, you know, you've got Io as the main champion, you have the, the Kabuki Warriors as the tag team, and then you've got Dakota Kai floating in the background until she's ready to come back to, to full capacity. But in a way, I suppose this is a good thing because Bailey's had this heelish persona for a best part of five years now. And I think she's just sort of moving on to the next phase of her career now. You know, she, she's moving out of that heelish controlling non-hugger persona the one that's just like uh ding dong hello and boo you like it's an all and all that just annoying people i'm starting to see her sort of moving out that rebellious teenager phase after her sort of kid-friendly image in nxt and now developing into a much more established sort of adult veteran competitor a little bit but also someone who's on the sort of baby face side more than the heel yeah, no, I agree there. I think um, she has grown. And the thing is, um, when you mentioned the hugger and the, the babyface gimmick, she was, that was getting stale. You know, we saw that that presentation eventually 
you know, it ran cold and they did the right thing turning her heel and it did take a while for it to get going. You know, we, uh, we talk about the longest reigning SmackDown uh, women's champion. A lot of that reign, it took a while to get going. You know, it was a sort of thrown together match in the card. It wasn't until the boss and hug connection sort of became a thing that she she found her way. And obviously, as soon as she was getting going and, you know, the stuff with um, Bianca Bella the first time around, um, she was injured and out for a very long time. So I think that's given this heel run a bit more momentum for the simple fact that it was taken away from us right as it was getting good and the damage control thing, you know, getting caught up with the fact that Dakota Kai was brought back and Neo Sky was brought to the main roster. This is the start of the Triple H era. It's not getting to the point where oh, we, we want her to change it, you know, but as you said, we could naturally turn her into a sort of veteran um, veteran competitor on the roster before it gets stale, because as we mentioned obviously previously, when she turned heel, the face run was so stale that it took a while for the heel run to get going. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there is a natural progression here, um, as you mentioned, but I wasn't happy that they lost. Um, I'm just, I'm going to read what some of our um, contributors thought, because John was saying, I think the story's more on what goes on with Bailey. They Mm -hmm. lost and at the bullet. Now, how do they react? Do they push her out? I mean, the pop could be huge when they're all putting the boots in and the music hits and Michael Cole shouts, it's boss time! <laughs> uh, obviously hinting at the rumours that Sasha Banks is coming back. Um, David saying, agreeing with John, the story going forward is now interesting and I personally think it sets us on track for a Bailey Rumble win. That's a bold statement. Um no, I said before, I think Bailey could be a favourite to win the Rumble now, especially if they've got a, a two-month build-up to the Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes has already announced his participation in the men's match. Let's have uh, the main women's feud going into the Rumble, you know, building alongside it. And it makes sense, you know, if it leads to a Bailey Royal Rumble win, because on the road to Mania, she can challenge Io Sky and her new image of damage control. But maybe along the way, if the rumour is that Sasha Banks is coming back, you know, you could have Boston Hug connection against the Kabuki Warriors at yeah, Elimination no. Chamber, maybe. Yep. Um, the whole thing about Bailey, uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks did come up as well with the um, the tweet recently sent out by Bailey. She put a photo up of Asuka and Kyrie Sane and her, but not EO Sky. It was Sasha Banks, and it said, I always have a plan. That's true, yeah. That was back in. That was back in the uh, performance center area where yeah. I think Dash and Bailey were both double champions. Yeah, it was a photo of the four of them. I've always got a plan, and it was quite it was quite well done. I thought, oh, that's that's a wee sneak thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Is she trying to push EO out, or will it backfire and EO pushes her out? So, look, I don't think they should have lost. I think them winning. And Bailey maybe taking a bit too much credit and then costing the team. You know, we've seen it before where she's put EO Sky into positions like the triple threat match. Uh, was it SummerSlam or? Uh, no, it was. So SummerSlam was Charlotte, Bianca, and Asuka. Oh, no, no, no. So she cashed in the triple threat. Oh, yeah. She so. Triple threat because uh, um, of Bailey. Yeah. So Bailey basically took out Fastlane. Fastlane? Was it anyway? I, we're, we're rambling. I know she ended up in a triple threat match because of Bailey saying, "If you want her, you've got her." Uh, oh, that was was that not Crown Jewel? I don't know. Bear with his viewers. Oh, no, that was Bianca. Jeez. Well, oh. our bra- both our brains are running on empty here. All right, but I'm on I'm on jet lag here. <laughs> yeah, I'm your- on workload here. <laughs> You know, I'm the only workhorse on this podcast here. I've been doing Central, I've been doing Saturday Draft Live, I've been doing feature shows. Also, you were, you know, living at large in the Big Apple. <laughs> I was living at large in the Big Apple, yes, very much so. It was Fastlane. I was right the first time. Get it up, you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Problem solved. She was in a, a triple threat because of Bailey, and she's saying, you know, I don't need you to talk for me. 
I think we could have went forward with Bailey maybe costing other opportunities, getting a bit too big for our boots, and damage control going, we don't need you. You know, if EO Sky was the one to get the pin, or if they did some sort of, you know, Asuka gets the tap out while, you know, uh, EO also pins someone at the same time. You know, just, mm. the, and I'm getting convoluted here, but I just, I personally. Well, it's Kind of like backlash as well when Bailey got involved in the Bianca Belair EO Sky match for the Raw Women's title. You know, yes. EO said yeah. to Bailey, don't get involved, don't get involved. And that's what ultimately cost her. Yeah. So I think there's more ways they could have done it while giving them this big win to reintroduce them. But you know what? A good opening match, um, a lot of fun spots. EO Sky with the trash can spot once again. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Seems to be our go-to in these war games. Bailey taking the pin. It'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Um, speaking of things I'm interested in going forward, Santos Escobar. Um, he no longer has um, Legado del Fantasma with him. Um, he's broke away from uh, the LWO. Rey Mysterio is out legitimately injured. Meant to have a scheduled match with Carlito. It was changed to a fun match with him and Dragon Lee. Just a fun seven-minute back-and-forward match. Um, Dragon Lee's on this sort of soft launch on the, the main roster going in between both that and NXT but I'm really enjoying uh, the Santos thing because where does he go from here? Does he eventually get Legado back? Do they go into a sort of trios thing? Does he, does he go after the Logan Paul? Does he, Who does he go after? Because this is a, a bit of a problem at the minute with um, WWE having so many heel champions mm-hmm. that when someone kind of rises up, there's no one for them to really go for. And it'd be interesting to see if Santos gets to a point and stops, which is a, a bit of a frustration I have with Triple H WWE. People are getting chances, but it seems to be you get chances and we stop because we have a long-term plan for people X, Y, and Z. It doesn't account for people organically rising or people maybe getting more over than mm. they should. And this is something I've, I've criticised Tony Khan for as well. Um, advanced booking is good because it means that people know where the story is going, but at the same time, it doesn't leave room for for stuff like this. So it'd be interesting to see how Santos goes. What do you think about Santos breaking out on his own and what did you think about the match? Again, it reminds me back of the black and gold days of NXT, you know, where he performed under the uh, under the mask, you know, El Hijo de Fantasma. And then he unmasked to become Santos Escobar. That's kind of what that reminds me of a little bit. And then he obviously what um, recruits Wild and Del Toro as Legado. And they were a pretty solid faction back in NXT, but it wasn't until that move to SmackDown and then the face turn be- becoming aligning with the LWO. I guess it was... It sort of set in motion a, a new path for Santos Escobar to break out as a solo guy because I think he is better as a heel uh, as opposed to being a face. But I get what you're saying about the long-term storytelling. I think maybe having the, the Santos-Carlito match this early on, I think it might have been a bit wasted, even though the, the end game is Santos-Mysterio. Maybe they'll save the Santos Carlito feud maybe for later, like towards the end of the year. And maybe they could, you know, as you mentioned, there's been rumors of faction warfare again, like Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo have been rumored to be coming up from NXT. They lost to the family this past week on NXT. So that could be their, their call up match, shall we say? And then that way you've got Carlito, you've got Dragon Lee, or maybe you could have Carlito and like, you know, the, LWO guys going up against Santos and Umberto and Angel. But, you know, there's options yep. to there's options to be had, for sure. Yeah, those, those could be interesting um, interesting matchups because um, Angel Garza, he is someone as well. I think he suffered through like in the pandemic era, he got so many chances at the Street Profits. He didn't win any of them. I think there should have been at least a feud for the US title between him and Andrade. There wasn't, but he's suffered from stop-start booking and the removal of the Cruiserweight division. I think if you had him in with uh, Humberto, who is 
a lot better as a smarmy heel. You know, we saw him as a face. It just didn't work. Um, the three of them, they they scream cooler, I think. You know, they, they look like two people who would be in the faction but could easily break out on their own. Uh, the other two members of Legado, they're very much background players there. You know, they're very mm-hmm. much in the background. Them going up with Carlito uh, and a faction warfare could be interesting, something for Carlito to do. Uh, but I'd like Dragon Lee to be left alone in all of this. I'd like for him to continue. Maybe move him to Raw where there's three hours and there's more more TV time. I just, I think too many people are getting dragged into the Rey Mysterio bubble here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's better if you split them up a bit. You know, have your faction warfare, you know, and then eventually you can do the Rey Mysterio uh, Santos match. But, you know, let's let's get Dragon Lee away from it. Let's maybe put Carlito back in there. But it'll be interesting to see where Santos goes. I do think, and we always talk about how we all think Dominic should have won at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I think Santos has to win at WrestleMania yeah. because Dominic's bounced back, but Dominic had that ultra heel thing behind him and the judgment day to fall back on. I don't think Santos has that. I think he needs the win to get to that next level. But it'll be interesting to see where we go with that. Um, let's talk about the Intercontinental Championship scene. Uh, Gunther, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, going up against a man trying to tie the record for most Intercontinental Championships of all time, the Miz. Um, this felt very much like the first match in a feud here because I don't think anyone had any belief that the Miz was going to win. However, he is getting more over as a face at the minute. Um, asking for respect, you know, a lot of people have been saying for a while that the Miz is underused. It's it's not quite there yet, but it has uh, vibes of the Daniel Bryan promo where it started to get the Miz more respect and the Miz was more over. And, you know, he played that as a heel. He's playing this as a face just now. But he has asked for another shot at the title. I think we could, ironically, because it was him making Ziggler put his career on the line, I think we could get to a title versus career stage here in the feud of Miz versus Gunther. And that could be the one where Gunther loses it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, if we do it uh, leading up to the Rumble, Gunther is a favourite for the Rumble. That's true. It could be what puts Gunther into the main event and, you know, way later down, I don't expect Miz to have a long Intercontinental title run if he does, say he beats Gunther at the Rumble in the opening match. Um, I imagine he'd probably lose it about WrestleMania, but I think Gunther probably goes on to win a world title at WrestleMania and that sets Miz up as maybe a first challenger, you know, mm-hmm. a, a strong, dependable challenger who, you know, we... We could be booking the IZ title and booking the world title picture in advance here. Um, well, I think, where we're going. I think given specific things that happened later on in the night, I've actually started to revise my fantasy booking a little bit. But All right. we'll cross tell. that bridge when we get to it. Okay. Uh, what do you think of the match here? Uh, Triple H praised it. Uh, we know uh, Triple H isn't a big Miz guy, but he is a big Gunther guy. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? I actually quite liked um, the Miz's approach to it. You know, he was obviously understanding he was the smaller guy in this match, so he had to be a lot more tactical with his approach. You know, targeting Gunther's legs, doing the figure four around the ring post. Very, very tactical approach, especially when he opted to do the, the it kicks around the legs specifically. Yeah, much more strategy-based rather than, you know, trying to be, you know, a bit of a dirty heel. I mean, not that there wasn't dirty heel tactics, obviously, you know, trying to take the turnbuckle pad off, hitting with the the low blow. You know, a few dirty tactics to try and get the upper hand. Fair enough, that's that's Miz through and through. But nobody really hated him for it. It was more like, let's just try and get a sneaky one in there so we can one-up the guy who's basically been undefeated for two and a half years and has by a commanding lead now, the longest reigning intercontinental title title run. Gunther, obviously, I think it was he was a bit more subdued this time around. But then again, 
he didn't need to be all out for this one. You know, just a few few big moves in, get the submission on, pick up the win. Easy peasy. But there were points, you know, your heart stopped for a moment. You think, oh my God, is Miz actually going to do this? And we've said that about Gunther in the past. You know, he's he's really good at making his opponents look good despite, you know, having, you know, a, a dominant win over them. He did it with, uh, with Mustafa Ali. He's done it with Sheamus. He's done it with Drew. He really does bring out the best in everybody. And, you know, second match on the card is always going to be a tricky one. But for given the time they had and the kind of spots they put in, I was actually very pleased with it. I think it was a very, very good match. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Women's World Championship match, Rhea Ripley, a great part of the Judgment Day. Zoe Starks, the absolute wrong opponent here. Um, Second to last match on the card, we're waiting for the War Games match. It's the exciting part of War Games. You don't want to be sitting through a Zoe Starks match. I'm sorry, she is dull. Just everything about her screams mid- um, I just I don't find anything about it. but an impressive finisher, but wasted on her. I think the the Trish's backup suited her well. I think being in a tag team might suit her well, but I just feel that she drags down anyone she's in there with. And Rhea Ripley, as we mentioned, you know, we sneak peek. We are doing a superstar of the year as one of our feature shows. We have all submitted a top 10 list to David uh, Campbell. Um, Mm. I'll not give away anything, but number one with a bullet on my list was Rhea Ripley. She's so far above a lot of the women on the roster at the minute that it's just not believable that when you put someone like Zoe Starks in there that she's going to lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... You said it perfectly, you know, Rhea Ripley's on like another tier compared to most of the other women on the roster. So and I'm pretty sure Michael Cole actually mentioned the odds on this match. I think they had Rhea Ripley at minus 3,000, which was practically a guaranteed win for Rhea. But not that Zoe Stark hasn't shown flashes of brilliance because she did that in the Fatal Five way. And I think it would be safe to say she was the MVP and she carried most of it. But in a solo solo standing, I think it goes to show how li- how a little bit rustic she is. You know, not quite as as fluid and dynamic as you know everybody expects her to be. You know, great finisher, great move set, but dull as dishwater. Doesn't really engage with the crowd as much. And people were actually cheering for Mammy as well. I mean, and this isn't just Chicago being. And this isn't just yeah. Chicago being like a smarky crowd, you know, this is, you know, people are cheering for Mami because she's that damn good of a character and a competitor. I, I disagree with the, the thing about uh, carrying the Fatal Five way, by the way, because to me, um, that Fatal Five way was clunky as end. You know, it was a match with Raquel Rodriguez and Nia Jax in it, so... It wasn't exactly going to be great. Um, honestly, it's just frustrating for me because I think the 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 match that should be is Shayna Baszler because Shayna Baszler, um, you know, defeats Ronda Rousey, breaks away from her. The next progression should have been her, and it's even if her and Rita, you know, one up in each other because they've wrestled each other before. They both get wins over each other. Uh, Rhea was the one to take the NXT Championship from Shayna Baszler. See, even if they had a back and forth, kind of like Charlotte and Sasha, where it was like they were so evenly matched, I wouldn't have minded that. I, I really, really wouldn't have minded that. I thought, I think that would have been great. But just, again, I think it's just another missed opportunity. And I don't think you're going to see this title come off Rhea till at least WrestleMania. And... I honestly think it's Shayna. I think the match is Rhea and Shayna. Um, I know people are talking about Rhea and Becky. Becky's had the main event spotlight. Becky Lynch is someone that at any point you could put in there and it's believable that she'll win the world title. Mm-hmm. You don't You don't need to do that at WrestleMania. You save that for a B pay-per-view where you need either something on the card to draw people in or you save it for a, a card that needs a bit of 
oh my God, Becky could win this. Yeah. She's got to the point that Charlotte's got to where it's always a safe bet that she might be the champion. Um, but anyway. It's Rumble uh, season coming up as well. This is when they can start to pull out the big names against Rhea now and, you know, make it more and more threatening that she's in danger of losing the title. Take her yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the men's war games match. Uh, the Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre going up against uh, Team Cody, or uh, I think it's called Team Cody. Yeah, Team uh, Cody, yeah. Going up against Team Cody uh, in war games. This was quite, this was a great match. It was quite cool for so many reasons. But you had Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, World Heavyweight Champion, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and the returning Randy Orton, who did not appear in the cage. He was, uh, they were playing the will he, won't he, and also playing on the crowds. You know in Chicago, mm-hmm. you know how it's going to go. The CM Punk chants are going to be there. They teased it and they teased it. But the match starts with Seth freaking Rollins going up against Finn Balor. Bit of a silly strategy to put the world champion with the injured back in first. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. And there was that point as well where you got you got back body dropped onto that metal plating between the two rings, and you think you just knew that was going to happen. Yeah, um, well, I'm, a well. I'm a bit more confused as why you know they were nitpicking the the Jey Uso Drew McIntyre scuffle. You know Drew's promo about wanting Jey Uso in a cage surely would have made more sense for those two to start off. I liked the, and we'll talk about Drew a little bit later on. Uh, with the fallout and everything, but I liked that they kept Drew back a bit. Um, but the uh, the Judgment Day start off Finn Balor, Seth Rollins. Uh, Seth Rollins has been pretty much every match type in WWE, and it's nice to see him eventually in War Games. Finn Balor, um, someone who was um, has never been in a War Games match, which I thought quite weird, but nice to get them both in there. Um, the newest member of the Judgment Day. Uh, JD McDonough coming in second, Jey Uso coming in for his second Wargame appearance in a row. I like this bit, so I'm, I'm just going to go through the entrance uh, and then we can talk about the match a bit, a bit more in detail. Damien Priest coming in third, pulling Drew McIntyre back. Drew going, I thought this was the plan. Drew, uh, Damien saying, plans change, I'm the leader. Damien's really been honing in on this whole I'm the leader thing. And it's it's quite interesting trying to put Drew in his place. Really mm-hmm. frustrating Drew there. Um, By the way, I think it was the other way around. I think Reese said they had a plan. Drew was trying to defect from it. So Priest uh-huh. was like, "No, no, no, hold on, stick to the plan." And then Drew's like, "Nah, plans are changing. I'm t- I'm going in." He's like, "No, you're no." Um, no then no, Priest no. goes in. He said, "I thought we had a plan," and he said, "I'm the leader." And then he goes in. Um, Sami Zayn comes in next to a massive pop. Sami Zayn. Someone, and I know you're going to tell us about your world title fantasy booking, still as over as ever. You know, the, the whole thing with him and KO. KO's not kept that flow going. Kevin Owens is someone who I always feel is either really over or is just kind of mere reactions. Sami Zayn still as over as ever. Um, Drew McIntyre coming in like a house on fire. Cody Rhodes coming in and a really emotional one. Uh, Michael Cole and commentary really summing it up, you know, going back to the first War Games match and when Dusty Rhodes was in it. And tonight, the Rhodes legacy and War Games continues. I really liked that line. I thought that was amazing. Um, Dirty Dom, of course, he was going to be fifth. Um, Michael Cole's line about. Dominic Mysterio spent more time in war games than he actually did in prison, which I loved. Um, and then done so beautifully, done because I think if you just had Randy Orton there, it would have been you'd have got the CM Punk chance. It would have been a disappointment, but they did the countdown. No one appears. Rhea's music hits. Rhea tries to help Damien cash in the money in the bank. And before they can do it, the crowd's distracted with what's happening in the ring. The voices music hits. Randy Orton makes his way to the ring. Sensational pop. A great distraction for the crowd. And it gets them back on side. Um, 
So this, this, that's my thoughts of the entrance in the match. I've rambled there. David, your thoughts on favourite parts of the match? What did you like about the presentation? Just everything. Go ahead. I think Scott and I actually discussed the possibility of what could happen in war games. And he actually was the one that suggested, you know, what if Priest cashes in the contract during the war games match before everybody comes mm. out? And I think that would have been bloody genius pulling that off and to an extent he was right but it just they just didn't go through with it the full way like the Orton pop yeah, was no, electric yeah no absolutely and a great way to reintroduce him because we talked about um the oh christ the um the drew mcintyre wanting geoso scenario randy orton bit of tension with him and Jey Uso in there. Um, mm-hmm. not, I think a lot of people thought Orton might cost and go back to being a heel. I think there's too many big heels at the minute. Um, so it's nice to have a face in there. But I, I loved this match. I thought it was 100 miles an hour from everyone. Even Randy Orton, um, mm-hmm. who was making his return after 18 months, he, you know, he still gave everything. And it was... It was kind of like a greatest hits tour. He did all the classics, but we hadn't seen it in 18 months, so we loved every minute of it. Oh, and also, the RKO on JD McDonough from the top of the cage. Incredible. Sensational. Yeah, sensational. I went for the I went for the face team. Um, <clears throat> after the match, Drew McIntyre storms out. Um, a lot of people were making stuff out, uh, making stuff out of that online, saying that Drew was unhappy, that he stormed out. I just think it's a case of the temporary alliance ended. Drew mm-hmm. has decided, I'm done, and then character storms away. I have no problem with that, especially considering, and we can talk a wee bit about what happens on Raw, what happens next with Drew, it just continues the... Um, the cementing of the heel turn and the fact that um, I think Judgment Day are going to use him for a means to an end. And we'll talk about that in a wee bit. Um, an emotional night, Cody Rhodes getting to uh, wrestling war games. They pan away from the crowd, they, sorry, they pan up into the crowd, the watermark appears and then it happened. It finally happened after t- after nearly 10 long years <laughs> away from WWE and by the way if you've not seen it watch the Michael Cole dancing to Cult of Personality, sensational Cult of Personality hits the crowd go menno, CM Punk mental's an understatement, the crowd went fucking ballistic language anyway, <laughs> the crowd the crowd go ballistic and out walks CM Punk it's one of those things that I think we were always going to talk about until it happened. You know, we talked about this um, in the summer when we were doing Central in the studio, that CM Punk is going to be a story until CM Punk is back. And now he's back and he's an even bigger story. <laughs> um, but this has been the combination of, you know, month-long segments of what's Punk up to? And I'll tell you what he's up to right now. He's only gone and went back to WWE. Absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely mind blowing. I I couldn't believe it watching it. It was absolutely sensational. And it was like time stood still for a yes. few minutes. Like I kid you not, when that music hit, I jumped out my seat, I stuck in the one pose, eyes wide open, my jaw was open for about five minutes before I could <laughs> close it back up again. I was that damn shocked. I spoke with Stephen Wilson. Him and I were uh, both watching it. Um, I was watching in a New York hotel room. It was 10 o'clock New York time. That sounds about right, yeah. I'd been on the go all day. Um, I got back in time enough to watch the Men's War Games match uh, live, seen this, and ended up watching the post show um, uh, with the interview because... And he said the same. He goes, I've went from wanting my bed to I can't wait to hear what Triple H has to say about this. <laughs> um, Triple H was pretty nonchalant about it. He was basically saying that it came together 
within the week, him and I spoke, and when it was clear that we both wanted this, everything else fell into place. So it looks like Punk is willing to do business, Triple H is willing to do business, and it seems to be that this is, this is where it's going to be with for CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember his tweet as well? Mighty cold day in hell this is. Yes, with the point. The, <laughs> <laughs> the famous point picture. But yeah, I think one of the main comments I think I took away from that is is that he said something to the effect of it's been 10 years, he's a different person, I'm a different person, and the company's in a whole new place. People change over time, and maybe it's just easier to forgive, forget, and try and move forward. Absolutely. So I like that. I like he's taken a very pragmatic approach to it. Let's talk about the Seth Rollins of it all. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Seth Rollins made comments in the summer talking about CM Punk coming back. He said, no, I don't want that cancer here. Stay away, Phil. Stay away. Um, mm. Well, unfortunately, well, mm, mm, no, I was going to say something, but it, no, it sounds like it would be in poor taste. I like the the way WWE has done this, sort of like the White Rabbit thing. WWE didn't put anything on TV about Bray Wyatt returning till it happened. WWE just did these sort of videos, uh, or they allowed the fans to do these videos uh, and reach their own conclusion. WWE have put have not put the fo- uh, put the clip on social media. It's been fans putting the clip of. Seth Rollins screaming and shouting at CM Punk, trying to get to him as Corey Graves and Michael Cole pull him back and calm him down and on CM Punk's return promo, I've seen people complaining it's a very tame promo my take on this is this isn't the CM Punk that's been gone for wrestling from seven years, this is a CM Punk who thought there was somewhere else to go, found out that not everywhere does business the way he'd like to do business and that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. That's his approach to it. I'm not saying WWE right for everyone, but he's went back there. He's simply said thank you to the fans because the WWE fans have not stopped shouting CM Punk since he left. AEW, a different type of fan base, almost cultish, um, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, the elite <laughs> fan base. Ironically uh, cultish, yeah. Yeah, ironically cultish, yes. Um, you know, th- these are the sort of people who, if Kenny Omega was having Gunther's run in WWE, they would be complaining that it's only the Intercontinental title that he's going for. But, you know, Kenny Omega's not done anything of note for about eight months in AEW. But it's like, oh, give it time. I've gave it time. It's been eight months. It's been born as hell. Um he kind of experienced that there. He comes out, he thanks the fans. He talks about how he what, he's home now and that he's been welcomed with open arms by everyone and then laughs and looks down the camera and says, well, almost everyone. <laughs> he said Seth Rollins. The Seth Rollins thing hasn't been acknowledged by WWE, but it's out there. And WWE are playing it like an absolute fiddle. They are playing social media. Like they're cooking it. They're cooking it. And I absolutely love that approach to it. You know, we'll get to it later. We don't have to do it right now. The CM Punk wave, we saw it with Collision, uh, but not with Collision, uh, with uh, when he showed up in AEW. Mm-hmm. The Punk wave, it, you know, he shows up on Collision, uh, sorry, on Rampage. He shows up um, the next week on Dynamite. He doesn't do much. But it's still the, oh my God, that's CM Punk. That's mm-hmm. CM Punk. You know, it's going to feel like that for a while and WWE are going to rinse every little bit of water out of that. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't think it needs to be the World Championship. Um, I thought Seth would hold the title to Mania. Seth Rollins, CM Punk at WrestleMania is a money match that does not need the World title. And it Inject probably... It in my veins. It probably could mean event one of the nights and it ticks off that one thing that CM Punk's never done, which is main event of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, you just know for certain that there's lots they can work with here. You know, Punk Rollins is practically guaranteed at this point 
likely will be WrestleMania, but but it's on WWE's hands. It's on Punk's hands as well. Let this cook for about four months, give or take. But they need big milestone moments along the way. And that is where my revised fantasy booking comes in. Right, on you go. Because everything you said about Rollins versus Punk at WrestleMania, main event night one, definitely. The caveat being, it is for the World Heavyweight title. And Punk gets it by winning the Royal Rumble. Oh, that is... um... It's not something I'd be against, but what I would add, I think a Gunther would benefit more from a Rumble win than I'd CM Punk. I think CM Punk, the storyline's there. He can win a couple of big matches on the way, and it could be like Seth Rollins wants to fight him. But I, I, do, I, do, I do like the idea. Yeah, Seth could be like, all right, Punk, you've won the Rumble. I dare you to challenge me. I dare you to fight me and stuff at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight title. Because that makes Rollins look like a fighting champion. And it also solidifies Punk's title opportunity. And he'll get his WrestleMania main event. I think it'd be stupid not to take it. Because Punk knows, that. Uh, sorry, that Rollins knows that Punk has never main evented WrestleMania. He won't resist the opportunity to challenge Rollins. Gunther, though... I think, Sorry, yeah, I don't think, I mean, as much as I'd like Gunther to win the Royal Rumble in main event WrestleMania, which he absolutely has earned the right to do so, it's too good of an opportunity to pass out, uh, to pass on CM Punk at this point, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And I, I worry that if he doesn't get what he wants this time around, he's just going to burn bridges again and it will cause more, more of a headache for WWE. So maybe that's what maybe the discussion was. So I was going to say, uh, maybe this is what the discussion with Triple H was about. I mean, I'm just making assumptions here now. But what if the deal was, I'm willing to do business with you. I want the Royal Rumble win, and I want the main event of WrestleMania. I think CM Punk pre pre. Post all out brawl, but pre all in, probably could have probably could have negotiated that. I don't think you can negotiate that now. There is a behavioural clause in CM Punk's contract. I think that's been done for a reason. Uh, CM Punk was said to be nicer than nice backstage. He has been backstage before. We've mentioned this on a central and previous, where he was backstage. He would like he tried to bury the hatchet with the Miz. He spoke to Paul Levesque. Uh, or Triple H. Why the fuck did I say Paul Levesque there? He spoke to <laughs> Triple H. That was that was when he we discussed the story when he appeared backstage. Yeah. He spoke to Triple H. You know, they everything had been buried in the hatchet and Apparently, the reason AEW wasn't mentioned was because, quite simply, Punk wants to move on from that and is not, you know, he doesn't want to bring up a bad experience. And that's the thing, you're not going to get that. And had it been the other way around, had Punk went to WWE, got fired and everything happened backstage and he went to AEW, I think AEW's the sort of company that would have let him rant and rave. WWE has put a rain on Punk. And I think now that we've seen what CM Punk's like when he maybe has a bit too much free reign it's probably best that someone does have the lead on him and it's like right when we get to Wrestlemania we can let you off the lead and you and Punk uh, you and Rollins can go 100 mile an hour and the promos in the ring but for now reining it in and keeping him on his best behaviour is the best thing for everyone and you know the, the line in the promo I'm not here to make friends I'm here to make money it's going to make a lot of money in WWE especially if he's going to main event WrestleMania. So, let's Well, he's certainly going to make a lot of money straight from Survivor Series because the show itself set records for highest viewership, largest gate, and best merchandise... Best, I'll say that again. Best merchandise sales in the history of all of Survivor Series, which is... I think that's a sure sign that, you know, despite being away for almost a decade and people have been chanting his name consistently throughout that time frame. He's a big draw. 
And we're right on the cusp of Royal Rumble Mania season. They need to ride that wave and it will be so worth the payoff knowing that they've got like an already made hot feud between him and Seth Rollins, which is WrestleMania worthy for the world title. And that way you can kill two birds with one stone. You've got an amazing main event for night one. You've got an early favorite now to win the Royal Rumble. And you've got someone who's absolutely raking in merch sales, viewership figures for a company that's already setting financial records. Listen, I wouldn't mind seeing Seth Rollins versus CM Punk for a world title. Do I think it needs it? No, I don't. I wouldn't mind seeing CM Punk win the Rumble. Do I think he needs to? No, I don't. I I think they can ride the wave without having him win the Rumble. But listen, um, let's talk about Seth Rollins and his future because I talked about um, Drew McIntyre being used as a means to an end. He absolutely obliterated Seth Rollins on Raw this past week. Um, Seth Rollins is defending the world title against Jey Uso next week. Um, this sent Raw, uh, Drew McIntyre into a tailspin because he, you know, obviously does not like Jey Uso. I think this could end in a double DQ. I think this could end with Seth Rollins beating the hell out of everyone. Sorry, with Drew McIntyre beating the hell out of everyone. And I think next week we might be talking about a cash-in because I think this coming Monday in Raw, I think Damien Priest cashes in the uh, the Money in the Bank contract and Mm -hmm. wins the World Heavyweight Championship. I think this will be the end of the Judgment Day's um, use for Drew McIntyre. And I think this could lead us to the eventual turn um, the Balor versus Damian Priest match, possibly. Mm-hmm. Do you think Balor versus Priest at WrestleMania is for the world title, though? It's difficult to say, really, because I mean, there's every chance that Priest could lose it before Mania, kind of like when Edge cast in on John Cena the first time and lost it immediately afterwards at the Royal Rumble, and they just yeah. went with Cena Triple H. I'm worried they'll go down that route, you know. Priest will be, be sort of like a casualty now that they've brought back EM Punk a little bit because I think the money feud is Rollins Punk, but they need to get the Priest cash in, in in there at some point. And I think you might be right, you know, Drew getting involved in the world title match goes after both Rollins and Jay, who he's both butted heads with lately. It sets it up perfectly for a Priest win and then he could have maybe a two to three month run as champion, Rollins wins it back, and then you get Rollins Punk. Possibly, possibly. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it, and here's the thing we, we're talking here about potential fantasy feuds, and, you know, we're talking about when's Damien Priest going to be in the world title feud? When's Damien Priest going to go up against Finn Balor? When's Drew McIntyre going to snap and get his opportunity? Seth Rollins is a, a, an amazing world champion. Gunther winning the Rumble and possibly challenging for the world title. CM Punk Rollins being the money feud and possibly being for the world title. There's so much going on there. And we talked about Sami Zayn earlier on. He's, he's made it clear that he wants to be in the world title match. He makes it, he said he is a world champion, um, a world heavyweight champion, uh, world heavyweight championship caliber contender. Easy for me to say, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but we could have a possibility of Drew McIntyre versus Sami Zayn. We could have a possibility of Jey Uso versus Jimmy Uso. We could have a possibility of Gunther versus Seth Rollins. We could have Gunther versus someone else. We could have... What about what you said earlier, the Gunther versus Miz title versus uh, intercontinental title? Oh no, sorry, title versus career. Possibly, you could have Seth Rollins, CM Punk, and any one of them could be for the World Heavyweight Championship. And this is the thing we know that the finishing the story, we know Roman Cody two is the money match for night two. But Chris Anthony Lopez and I sat on this podcast post Royal Rumble twenty twenty two when Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey had won the Rumbles, and we sat kind of downhearted and downtrodden because 
we thought there's nothing here. There's there's no there's no storyline. WWE creative had no storyline in place for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. They ended up just throwing together a title unification match. We're now at a stage where we have a locked-in story for one title and an abundance of storylines for another title. This is just, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan just now. It's a, it's an exciting time. We are on the road to WrestleMania. Um, just so much fun. And then we're talking about WrestleMania feuds. We talked about the return of Randy Orton. We don't even know where he's going to be at this point. Could he Aye. be the world champion? Could he be the one that Gunther faces? It certainly would be a big feather in the cap of Gunther. Uh, to beat Randy Orton at WrestleMania for a world title, you just you don't know, you know <laughs> what's going to happen here. But it's just it's it's been a fun week. It's been a fun fantasy booking decision. And I tell you what, that's the that's the big question for this week. What is the World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania? Not the WWE title. We know that's going to be Roman and Cody. What is the World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania going to be? And we'll read your suggestions out next week on Central when we will preview uh, the Iron Survivor and NXT Deadline. We'll talk all the fallout of the World Heavyweight Championship match between Seth Rollins and Jey Uso. We'll talk about uh, the Continental Classic, which will be in its third week, so we can start to talk and see how things are going to take shape. Final Battle is coming up for Ring of Honor. We can uh, preview all of that and much, much more on a much more in-depth depth. Central next week, but for this week, I think you can all agree, folks. There was one thing to talk about. It was Survivor Series, and when you're talking about Survivor Series, everyone remembers the ending. We all want to know where this goes from here. Thank you, David Hockney, for joining me. Thank you for having me. And remember, massive back catalogue, eat, sleep, Suplex retweet, all good Android podcasting sites, iTunes, and Spotify at Suplex retweet to get involved in the conversation. We'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. Hello, I'm Scott McLeod here to let you know that the ESSR feature show for the month of December will be all about the career of the current WWE Women's World Champion and Judgment Day member Rhea Ripley. Me and my panel will go through her entire career, her short but memorable career so far in this show, from humble beginnings at NXT UK to NXT to the main roster, and of course we'll be talking about Judgment Day and all about her relationship with the one and only Dirty Dog. Stay tuned for that on the ESSR Network, wherever you get your podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.